Living Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I am ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, and not just any fantasy today, because today we are returning to a very unlikely series, a series I did not think we were going to return to, if I'm being honest, but (laughs) here we are. And you know what? We've got a lot to say, so should be a lot of fun. I'm, of course, referring to the A Court of Thorns and Roses series by Sarah J. Mass. And we are here today. You know, we talked about book one, A Court of Thorns and Roses, and that was a lot of fun. We had a lot to say, a lot of back and forth. um, And it was, you know, well-received. I guess people are in we're interested in this you know it's a obviously no surprise this is a hugely popular massive successful uh book series and so you know the response was there and we thought hey let's just keep it going you know let's read book two and and see what that's all about and that is of course why we're here today to discuss a court of mist and fury that's exactly what we're here to do charles i know you left off in our A Court of Thorns and Roses episode for book mm-hmm. one, where you're like, ah, I don't know if we're going to do the second book, but yeah, you said if the fan response is there, then we dive <laughs> in. The fan response has been there. And yes. I ought to say, Charles, the book that we're going to be getting into today is widely considered the favorite book of most folks in uh, the fandom, uh, Court of mm. Mist and Fury. And yeah. yeah, I thoughts on that, Charles. Thoughts on that where you had told <laughs> me that before. And my thought was, is that real? Like, is that really what's, <laughs> is that true? Um, did they read book one? Uh, but you know what? My other thought was, I get it. Okay. And I I get it. But it is not for me, and we'll get into that a little bit. But I, you said it was massively po- uh, popular, and I mean the numbers are there, man. It's got like 1.3 million ratings on Goodreads and over 117,000 reviews for a second book in a series. That is insane numbers absolutely insane and the average rating is 4.64 which means you're getting like a million five star reviews <laughs> which is absolutely out of control and uh yeah it's just goes to show that like sarah j Moss's series is like an absolute juggernaut and it's it's easy to see why you know and I, again i think the theme for me for this episode is I get it because it's kind of interesting to read a book where you just know it's not for you. You just know you're not the target audience for the the kind of story. And it kind of allows you to read it in a different way. I'm like, normally I would never kind of pick this book up on my own. I'm picking it up purely for academic reasons. Of course, you know, of course, this steamy romance novel I'm reading just for academic reasons, just to kind of see like, what's all the hubbub about? Because there is a lot of hubbub, as you mentioned, and uh, I get it. I get it. (laughs) Who says hubbub? I don't know if I've heard anyone say hubbub. I know. I'm like, that's like... probably the most unsexy thing to say about <laughs> in the context of like a romance book. It's like, what's all the hubbub about? 
to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... The demographic, like the overlap between people who say hubbub and people who read Sarah J. Mass books, like uh, on that Venn diagram, just sitting right in the middle is one person and, <laughs> yeah. and it's now you, Charles. That's It's just Charles is the overlap. You know, if you want to hear what someone who says hubbub has to say <laughs> about this beloved book, uh, you're in the right place because I, I think my opinions are going to go against the the masses here and um nice yeah and that's all couched in to say that i get it but i'm curious dylan i know you know you were kind of a bit more um into the idea of reading this on the show and i know you've got pressures at home to to read the whole series <laughs> and and we l- love that for you um just to kind of get your reaction you know 1.3 million ratings almost a million of those are five stars where are you sitting at in, in terms of your response to a court of mist and fury yeah i approach this with some trepidation as well charles because mm. i i liked the first book a lot better than i ended up liking the second book here and i don't think the second book was bad like a bad book but i guess the clash between it being the overwhelming favorite of most people's uh, in the fandom and then for me it being a lot slower a lot less happening than in the first book at least i interpreted it that way like mm-hmm. i'm kind of i'm coming in here charles and i, I don't want to I don't want to hurt any any feelings of mm-hmm. folks tuning in the in the fandom, but I think there's more stuff that I'd be critical about in this book than in the first book, where I was pretty like wholeheartedly like, oh wow, this book is awesome. I, right. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I will definitely read the next book in the series. Here, it's more like oh, I don't know if I would be picking up. The next book i wouldn't have dnf'd it but i would be like would mm. i be picking up the next book if it weren't for the pressures at home as <laughs> as you mentioned uh, right, right. girlfriend uh, i i promised i'll read this whole series and it's not she thinks that i'll enjoy the next one more than i enjoyed mm. this one i think it kind of has gone to show where we differ from most people reading these books like most people picking up these books i think are picking it up primarily for the romance aspects of it and i think you and i enjoy good romance in our fantasy but it's kind of like the differentiation between uh, romantic fantasy like fantasy that has romance in it and (laughs) fantasy romance i guess like Mm -hmm. where romance is uh, is more the principal element of the book like we we don't typically pick up fantasy romance books and i think this one really hits on what folks who pick up like fantasy romance are looking for even more so than does the first book and it moves a little bit more away from the like oh this is just like romantic fantasy like fantasy with a uh, like kind of emphasis on the romance so i think you and i like uh it's gonna 
it's going to swerve away from what we're most <laughs> primarily interested in, but swerving right. right into the hearts of many folks <laughs> that For sure. are just wanting the like slow burn romance to get fully fleshed out. And Ooh, I appreciate the nice, way that that uh, slow burn romance is done. Nice uh, wordplay like, there. Fully fleshed out <laughs> romance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, fully, baby. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't necessarily mean it that way, but uh, it definitely works. And I think that that yeah, that slow burn romance throughout the book. It's done better in this book than I think it is in the first book. But the uh, like everything else in the first book to me was better than in the second book. So hmm. I, I'm kind of like, how are we? Uh, yeah, how how are we going to manage all of that, Charles? How are we going to manage a conversation where we're giving due to the things that we like and right. we're also like, eh, I'm kind of critical of these aspects of it. Yeah, well, that's a great question. I, you know, Sarah J. Mass, she's got, a, she's very, she's done very well for herself. She's got a beloved classic series on her hands. So I think it's okay to dive a little bit into the criticism, but I think we have to couch it in two things, right? One is that we don't normally read uh, romance fantasy. So already, like, you got to take that for what it's worth. There's a lot that I can see that I really like. You talked about the slow burn of the romance. I thought that was all done very well. And the romance parts are steamy right so there's a lot to kind of oh, appreciate yeah. from that whether i actually you know enjoyed it as a <laughs> as a reader is some something else entirely but i do i was able to appreciate that the other thing that i think is kind of funny to to kind of couch this conversation in is that you know i mentioned that like oh i don't think i'm in the target market for this book you know dylan in fantasy a common thing that we hear um is the male gaze right Right. And what's interesting to me is that if there was a female gaze, uh, and I think there is, because I think this book is kind of proof of it. And we love that for this book, right? And then I, so when we talk about not being in the demo too, it's that lens of like, this is a very interesting, like, what is romantic um, to like a, to, to, to this female character versus what is romantic to me are are very different so like being able to read from her perspective was was interesting right and the things that she finds like intimate and romantic are, are different from what I would so it's very interesting to to read it from that perspective too so I think we have a kind of a unique take to go about this book and I think you kind of have to start with you know the departures from from the first book right and one of the big things you had talked about was the pacing and i think when you look at the criticism of the book in general like it's a very common criticism it's significantly longer than the first book i think you jump right. from like 400 pages to 600 pages and one of the things that we really enjoyed about the first book is the the pacing of it like stuff was happening all the time like she would be she she was going out and hunting she runs into this wolf she kills the wolf, she comes home, and she's not even dwelling on it for like a night before Tamlin like barges in and whisks her away, right? And we kind of respected that about the book. I'm like, you know, we could have had chapters and chapters of her at home being cold and hungry and taking care of her family and worrying about killing that wolf and all this other stuff. But we didn't get it. Tamlin comes barging in in the middle of a thought and takes her to the next chapter. And in this book, we definitely dwell on a lot more stuff. And we're definitely... Yeah. Like things are happening and we're like, why do we even care about 
like what's happening right now like who is this person like why are we in this court now why are we stealing a thing from a per from another thing and combining the things <laughs> i'm like i'm like oh so what man like isn't this you like you can tell it's a romance is bubbling throughout the whole book so that's going on but the action that kind of supports it like the stuff that's happening while their romance is is budding is just is just not there for this one for me and it was just way too long i think if you took the 600 pages and made it 400 pages well now you may have something at that right. point yeah yeah, before we dive in, I guess I should, I should give my spoiler warning here because I feel I feel it coming. The spoilers. that's a good point. We have not we have not done the spoiler <laughs> right. warning yet. I very yeah. easily could have just gone into spoilers. Like I did not feel barred from talking about spoilers. So luckily, you have no idea what happened in this book. <laughs> that's clear because you were like, yes. "Oh, why are we stealing the thing from the thing?" And like, so I was like, okay, "That well, is Charles true." My retention about... of this book was yeah. very low. <laughs> Charles doesn't know enough about what happened in this book to spoil anything anyway, but I do. So uh, if you haven't yet read uh, A Court of Mist and Fury, book two of the A Court of Thorns and Roses uh, series, then uh, now is a good time to turn this down in your headphones because we're going to have a no-holds-barred conversation about the first two books, primarily the second book. And yeah, we haven't read beyond this book, so you don't have to worry if you haven't yet read the third book, fourth, and and so on. But yes, Charles, let's let's get into uh, the how the thing was stolen from the court and the thing was. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know if you're yeah, into I'll, that part, <laughs> right? I think that uh, it's yeah. This the greater page length for maybe the same amount of things happening, but yeah. uh, I would say probably less things happening uh, is, yeah, is definitely something that made this a more difficult read, but it gives more space for, like, the more... I guess you get to sit with the interactions more in the romance, and that's probably part of why it's more enjoyable for folks who are primarily focused on the romance aspect of it, where in the first book, so many things were constantly happening that you don't really get as many moments like the ones, like you get the moments with Reese and Feyre where they're kind of doing the, the Fey version of texting, you know, with yeah. the, <laughs> like the paper yeah. and disappearing and all that. So uh, it's like we're sitting there having those kind of conversations in a way where I I think we really didn't get as much of that with Tam. Right. Mm -hmm. Like Tam, it was like things were always happening and the romance had to serve the plot more often. Not entirely. Yeah. Like I still think uh, the plot serves the romance a decent amount. In right the and the plot book, like was literally like she has to fall in love with you dude that's like right. part of the spell <laughs> so and then but point. yeah to your to, to your point though yeah it seemed a bit more it, it wasn't as big we didn't get those moments where they're sharing meals amongst friends and going on adventures and texting late at night and all these other things that she was able to do with Resand. So that 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 is a good point. I think that does service the relationship. And that's probably why this book is particularly popular is that, you know, the 
the hook that Sarah J. Uh, Mass is able to put us on this, like, when is that moment where they're going to get together? And she waits, boy, like, to the, pretty much the <laughs> very end of this book for us to get there. And the, like, release of those moments is almost like, you know, for a lot of people, probably worth the whole experience, right? And and what makes it a, a favorite book. So it's a bit of a trade-off there. I don't know if it worked for me. And I get that she's trying to expand, like, she's trying to introduce politics. We're getting the queens and the high lords and where you know all of these other things are starting to happen that are going to play greater parts in future books i'm sure we're starting to see the larger world of prithian and all of that so i guess all of that's prithia whatever uh, all that stuff has to <laughs> not happen. this issue again <laughs> oh yeah we totally did that in the first episode you know, i don't I remember. Know. yeah we i remember it now i like <laughs> It's funny because I'm having the exact same, I'm going through the exact same workflow it's in my Prithian. brain. <laughs> Prithian. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're getting some of that now, too. Whereas the first book was a contained story. The second book is now the middle of a borderline epic series now. I mean, there's like five books in this thing, at least, you know. For sure. I think it's... I, I do like about this book that it's so easy to fall into the trap with these kind of fancy romance style books where it's like, all right, there's a guy in the first book and he's the one and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. All that kind of stuff. And I do like that Sarah J. Mass turns it on its head completely. And it's like by the end of this book, it's like Tamlin is pretty unlikable <laughs> and uh pretty, I, he sold yeah. her out <laughs> okay he is very unlikable how about that oh i mean it's i wonder if there's more to see like because sarah oh, j sure. mass is always like oh well i'm presenting this character this way but really they're like this which works mm. sometimes and doesn't work as well other times. But <laughs> I think there's going to be a little... Like, we've gone totally the opposite way to Tamlin, where it was like, Tamlin's yeah. in the first book, it's like, he's perfect in every way. <laughs> and then <laughs> in the second book, it's like, actually, he's awful in every way. <laughs> and it's like, all right, like That's somewhere in between all of this is the truth. And we kind of get the opposite with with Reese, where it's like in the first book, Reese, I don't know, like Feyre's reactions to him are very much like he's the worst in every way. Like even the first moment that she sees him in the first book, it's like, uh, I just got this awful feeling about this guy and right. I really need to get away. Like he's bad. And For then sure. I remember I when I was reading that, I, I was like, First off, uh, I said to my partner, I was like, yeah, uh, she might go for for a tumble in the hay with Reese at some point. <laughs> and Do they say like, tumble in what? the hay still, no. Dylan? <laughs> no. I think there's a new they, pie chart that was yes. created just now. People that say tumble in the hay and people that have read this book. It's finally intersected one time for you. <laughs> right. Yes, yeah. It's, I mean, where but on the French Talking Fantasy podcast will you find people 
saying hubbub <laughs> and tumble in the hay when Dude, discussing the court knows of no bounds. Although Feyre did like literally tumble in the hay with that guy in the first book, right? Like she'd sure. go into the barn and and all that stuff. Yeah, that's true. But and they didn't actually I say would... those words because she's not like got this, you know, boomer jargon in her brain. <laughs> <laughs> You know, she writes yes. very modern and fresh and eloquently and and has just dialed into this perfect, like, not, like, adult, like, not young adult. What do they call it? It's not young new adult, adult fantasy. New adult. Listen, she, like, wrote all, she created the whole genre. I don't know how she did it. But, uh, you know, and one of the, how, one of the ways she didn't do it was by saying tumble in the hay or hubbub, you know? She, she, <laughs> she definitely found a way stayed to, clear yeah. of those. But I will say she has a few... I do want to go back to the, the Reese and versus Tamlin. Yeah, we should stuff, probably talk course, about Tamlin. And, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I also, though, while we're mentioning that she doesn't say tumble in the hay, mm-hmm. I do want to talk about a few Sarah J. Oh. Mass, like idiosyncrasies like <laughs> that she has in her writing Hit me with them if you a few them. words that, okay first of all she says all the time like that someone made a vulgar gesture did you notice this oh yeah like, people are always yeah. making a vulgar gesture at mm-hmm. each other and i don't know what that is like are they giving it's the middle finger yeah, are yeah. They, yeah but why doesn't she say that because I, who knows maybe there's a Printhian version. I don't know. Then they or maybe she's doing like sexual <laughs> things, you know, like uh, good thing this is uh, audio only, but uh, you know. I think. Oh, God, Charles. <laughs> I'm glad this is audio only. Everyone just, everyone but me just benefited but from the audio only format of this. But I don't know. That's I mean, a vulgar that's... gesture, you know. Maybe that's that that was a doing. very vulgar gesture. I'll yeah. say that, Charles. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> right, uh, but that's what I'm saying. Like that's what. Yeah, they, but what does it? Why should she just say what the thing that the person did is? Like, it's, why I mean, it's say, a good like, question, she gave bro. Him the middle finger, or she did whatever the whatever <laughs> the hell that was that like, you just did, Charles. <laughs> I'm sure Sarah J. Matt. I don't have the like eloquence to describe whatever that was but i'm sure sarah j (laughs) mass you know she has the vocabulary she has the ability to to handle that so for sure uh for sure i don't know that was an interesting uh, um just an interesting one that i was kind of confused by I'll, i'll get it in my kindle um let me find yeah, search the word vulgar in, in the book yeah that's what i mean i was i did it at some point and it was like the phrase vulgar gesture appeared like oh, it was it was a wacky amount it appeared like 20 something times <laughs> that's um, a lot of times yeah yeah let me I'll search well, it while in, you look at that, I think one of the things that we should talk about first i think we should talk about tamlin because you brought up that interesting point about how you liked how this book kicks off where their relationship is on the rocks. Because in the first book, it ended happily ever after. And I agree with you. I thought that was a really great take that I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, the book started off very strong. You know, there were some, I mean, right away, because one of the things I was told is, oh, this book gets like steamier as you go. 
And the book did start pretty steamy, right? I think the steamy things are bookended and then there's about 500 pages in the middle where it is not <laughs> steamy at all. And, and then there's, uh, you know, a couple scenes in the, on the, on the bookends of this, of this story. And it begins with, you know, her with Tamlin and Dylan, I would describe their relationship at the beginning of this book as what the kids say, a situationship. It's, you know, she, he plucked her out of, you know, obscurity, made her family super rich again, like, you know, clothed her, fed her, all these other things. But now she saved his life and the whole, like, fairy kingdom, you know? So she's, and, and now they're just like together. They kind of grown past the situation that brought them together you know and they're trying to salvage it and i don't think they've realized it yet and it's not until actually being faced with the prospect of marriage like on her wedding day that uh Feyre even considers bailing but you can tell that it's on the rocks and it's really interesting to see because this is a character who in your brain was prince charming like for a whole book and now the cracks are starting to show and it's not like he's doing anything overtly evil or malicious, but it, it's just a relationship kind of falling apart just enough that the possibility of going with Rasand all like becomes a possibility. You know, it's 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 really interesting to see that play. You're still almost kind of not sure who to root for. Like, do you root for them getting back together? Do you root for her to move on? You know, at the beginning, it's hard to tell. It seems like they could there was this miscommunication of her not wanting to be stuck in the castle and that maybe they could talk it out. And it's not until the end that that gets completely discarded, which I also think is a bold move from Sarah J Mass, you know, cause you're like five books you got, I'm thinking like twilight, you got Jacob, you got Edward, you know, the, you're going back, you're juggling back and forth. I'm assuming I've never read those books, but I'm assuming there's a lot of <laughs> back and forth. Right. But by the end of this book, she pretty much closes the book on, on Tamlin, you know? So I, I don't know. What did you think about the overall uh, Tamlin arc? Yeah. I Do we ship that... Tamlin? Like what's going on? No, I don't think, any... <laughs> I think that's kind of a point that you're making there, Charles, right. is by the end of this, I don't think it fits well into the, in Twilight, there's Team Edward and Team Jacob, meaning, like, there mm. were legit legions of people, and <laughs> they were like, oh, she really needs to end up with Jacob, and other people felt that way just as strongly about Edward. I think by the end of this book, if you're Team Tamlin, like, I don't know, luckily... Uh, there's a lot of great places to seek therapy out there. And <laughs> Thank goodness for I that. Think, right. <laughs> it's, he becomes like a white yeah, knight like, kind of character, right? He, he kind of like objectifies her and puts her on a pedestal and like this wants to have her be this like walled, you know, flower. You know, it, it's weird. It's weird. Yeah, he won't teach her to fight. Like, won't teach her to read. Just wants, won't teach her to yeah. fight. Well, I, I think he would teach her to read. If she, I don't think if, if yeah. she was like, "Hey, can I learn to read?" I don't think he'd be like, "No." Like, if yeah. our if if our enemies were to see you learning to read, then they would know something is up and they'd come for you. Right, but like he wasn't actively trying. <laughs> to make her a better like self-improvement right and that's the the no. first thing reese does is like we're gonna teach you how to read we're gonna get you you know we're gonna turn that frown upside down you know like, <laughs> that's been like what he was doing the whole time and meanwhile she had spent months and months and months with tamlin and all like you know nothing happened yeah you know, 
it's kind of interesting to see why she maybe start to have a change of heart, you know, because she is her own person and she wants to learn and grow and, and do more things. And she's not done like being awesome just because she saved the world one time, you know, like there's a lot more to learn and discover about herself. Um, and so Tamlin was kind of getting in the way of that, like holding her back. Yeah. Tamlin, Things worked a lot better in his mind when the power yeah. dynamic was completely in his favor. And as soon as he's Great like... Great point. Great right. flipping point. Because <laughs> he's like, as soon as it's like, wait, you are someone who might have a chance of being capable enough to function on your own in this face society. And mm -hmm. it's not necessarily in your best interest to be locked away in my house all the time he's like mm. i don't know if i'm actually cool with that like i know i acted like i was but that's because i knew that you had no chance out there yeah. and <laughs> right. everything was in my favor in terms of the power dynamic and right. yeah as soon as it moves toward a more even standing he just he can't handle it and he white knight is a good way of of putting it there Charles, he's like, he is always needing to be in control and he needs to be the hero that's protecting everyone. And if he can't do that, like, it's a giant meltdown and that's what happened. And right. In the I mean, the power dynamic point is a huge one and it's so well said that that's exactly what happened. And then look at Resand. Resand's whole backstory is his mom like was able to break the norms and break the power dynamics and reese was able to support that and all he's done was empower the the people around him not just the the women around him but in entire like cities of people like he sees that inner like beauty i'll say and, and inner potential in everybody and and wants to maximize that he's totally cool with having high queens uh, Tamlin is like, no, no, uh, the, no, that's not the tradition. That's not how we do things here. You don't know what you're talking about. Go back to your room, you know, like, and, and go, go paint something, you know, go, go paint. Like that, that's what chicks do. Right. You know, that's essentially what he's doing. And Rhysand is like, dude, my whole life has been shaped around like having powerful women in my life and having, you know, empowering less fortunate people. You know, that's like my whole mission. That's my whole jam. And uh, th that is what makes him the perfect foil to Tamlin, right? And and what makes her kind of s switch sides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the points like him being willing to make her high lady and being more of a free thinker, all that kind of stuff, it fits a lot more with her kind of discovering herself and where she fits into this society outside of just being this like helpless human in the, you know, in the middle of this fey world that she can't understand at all. And I think that it's uh, like it's done well in a in a lot of ways in terms of like. I like romances where you see why two people actually fit together and why the circumstances make a lot of sense for these two people coming together. And I, I like also the idea of, okay, this, this relationship has run its course. And right. I think that's where Sarah J. Mass's greatest strengths, in my opinion, lie is in her ability to 
to move past the typical like, all right, well, the Golden Knight is going to be always the like the great guy and continue to never do anything wrong. It's like, well, actually, in a different circumstance, this guy might be the bad guy. And uh, someone else who seemed like the bad guy in the previous book is actually going to be the good guy. And I think like the the Reeves stuff, I, I, I liked him better, though, in the first book where he felt more. I mean, I didn't like him better as a person. Like, I wasn't like, right, wow, right. he's a much kinder soul. Like, no, he's like a worse person. This abuser person. is really cool. A worse, yeah, a worse fae. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. A worse male, as they say. There was like, oh, like, because uh, they don't have really a word like a for calling someone a like a man because that would make them human. But uh, anyway, right. Resand, he's a worse male in the first book and he's he's got this sort of dark brooding mysterious guy who sometimes does good things sometimes does bad things thing going for him and i was like oh i'm intrigued by this character in the first book and i found him more interesting than tamlin who in the first book felt like oh i don't do anything wrong ever (laughs) and totally i think then in the second book my like criticism is the complete retconning of all of that with Resand, where it's like actually all the bad things I did were just because I'm I'm such a good person, a good oh male. yeah, and a whole conversation like, about Resand the character, like a lot I don't really care for, and that's one of you're <laughs> tapping into the most one of the more sensitive ones. Go on, <laughs> go on. Yeah, and I this is where I have some trepidation because I know I, I don't know actually because I'm. I'm not really engaged in these conversations with people online or anything like mm-hmm. that because I'm trying to stay away from spoilers. But my mm-hmm. sense is, unless Resand does a total 180 in the way that Tamlin did, my sense is Resand's probably the darling of this community. Like, probably everyone loves him. And mm-hmm. and if that is the case still after the next few books, um, then I'm a little worried because I'm like, uh, like, I don't, I think they just, then he's made into this like super one dimensional guy that's like, oh yeah, like uh, I'm super concerned about your boundaries and I'm super, and it's like, that's great <laughs> in a partner, but it's like, wait, what happened? Because this guy last <laughs> book was like yeah. taking her out to like the. Yeah, drugging her, like, putting her in scantily yeah. clad dance, uh, dresses, having her sit on his lap, like fondling her in front and of like, a whole room of people, like all that without her consent. And then 100%. he gets to, like, in the second book, just be like, well, like, I kind of had to do that because I had to show I did it because like, I loved Dude, you. I, right. <laughs> and then it's also the fact that, like, in the second book, he never really does, like, do anything too much beyond, like, even the moment where he's kind of, like, fondling her in front of everyone again. It's like they kind of talked out, like, oh, this is the plan. Like, we're going to do everything so it's like uh she's in on that and even if the like individual actions he wasn't able to just constantly be like oh well is this okay is this okay like you get the sense like she beforehand kind of consented like we're gonna do what we have to do to put on the show and she wasn't drugged and coerced and she was into it like it was consensual a hundred percent yeah totally different and it's like uh, i think that it's yeah, it's like the fact that he never does anything to like push her boundaries 
again in any way in the second book just makes it like oh wait is this like a different character than in the first book it's not like oh well he's a bser and he was totally like trying to explain away bad things he did and it turns out that he actually does continually do bad things and then tries to justify them which like makes him again like a worse person like a worse male but it makes him a more interesting character it has a love interest where he could be like oh wow this guy's actually pretty toxic too in his own way and then maybe in the third book we move on to someone else but instead it's just like oh well let's explain away everything that happened bad in the first book and then from then on he's the perfect guy and it's like exactly uh, th- there's a couple things aspects. look this resend character in this book it, it becomes problem it becomes like a problem for me especially at the end but in the beginning there's a lot that i i like like sarah j mass was very calculated in the way that one resend makes a great foil for tamlin and kind of some of those ways we discussed about how he sees the potential in her is willing to build her up genuinely you know cares about you know, supporting her and all and believing that she could be a high a high lady you know so there's all of that going on and then he also has a lot of commonalities and parallels with um Feyre that no one else could understand right she in the beginning of this book she's waking up in cold sweat nightmares remembering the trauma that she went through in amaranthus challenges right she killed two people two innocent people in cold blood with a dagger right, right. were very traumatic and that was what i loved about the first book i'm like wow moss is going way harder yeah, than she pulls I, no and irreversibly pulls no more than i ever thought and i yeah, really like that, that about that point. book and then we get into this book and we're coming towards the end and what's his face is turning into a total like pansy boy and i'm like what is this like she pulls every single punch in the book like i don't even understand it he's like oh i i i did all those things because i knew you were my one true love and i always loved you and i had to keep my people safe so that's why i sexually assaulted you that whole time and it it was because i was too good you know, and you're yes. like, okay, like you're so good that you sexually assaulted her, and, and then now you're you're like in love. That's fine. He's like, I always knew you were my soulmate, and I oh, and like, and then that whole scene where he goes back and explains every single interaction they ever right. had, and how he was being so good and virtuistic in every single moment throughout the first book, and you're like, forget this guy, man. This is so lame <laughs> that Risen would say this to me right now. And then there's the scene where they're flying, and he gets shot down. And, you know, she's like, you didn't tell me you were my soulmate. Literally, this dude has almost died like two (laughs) seconds ago, like riddled with arrows. And she's like, oh, this one little miscommunication. I'm walking away. And what does he do? He's literally bleeding out on the floor and he's like (laughs) groveling. He's like, no, I loved you. I promised I did. My reason was super good. It was because I loved you too much. That's why I couldn't tell you. I wanted you to live a happy life because I loved you and then she walks away and I'm like what is going on here not only did we like retcon every single cool thing Resan did or cool but like every single thing that makes his interesting, character interesting but, awful. Yeah. but awful in the last book we're gonna retcon that because he was the perfect angel and then now we're going to like act like that that's a desirable thing like if i was if i was um poor Feyre, i would be like dude i don't care how perfect you are i can't unsee 
all that horrible stuff you did to me, bro. You sexually assaulted me. I don't care about the reason. Like you drugged me and, yeah. and forced me to do all this stuff and coerced me into making all these deals. I don't care if it was because, you know, you were right. And yes, we saved the day and you were right. But just because you were right doesn't make me not forget all those horrible things. Like now that's interesting, right? And being weirdly attracted to him still would still also be interesting. You know, this is someone that sexually assaulted you, but he turned out to be good and he turned out to be kind of right and you kind of like him. And that's kind of confusing, right? Like that's an interesting story. Not this, oh, he was a sweet angel and we're soulmates and like he was so good the whole time and he loves me. But now I'm mad at him because he didn't tell me we were soulmates. And I'm like, get out of here with all of this. And it's like get to the point where you're like, what is this? Yeah, well. So a couple things here, Charles, and, and you're cracking me up, so I'll, I'll, I'll credit you with that. But <laughs> I'll say that. It, so first off, the like arrow riddle thing, like I get where you're coming from, but it was kind of in a situation where she didn't leave him until she was sure he would recover. So it's yes, just gonna, but still, like, he literally just almost died like a I minute ago. <laughs> I know. I get it. I get the criticism there, but I do want to just like uh, the aspect of it that's a bit too far is the like she just left him there to die sort of implication of it, which is not what no, happened. She did but make she sure did he was okay. Rest of it. But imagine like your significant other almost died in a horrible car crash, and then it's like you didn't you didn't tell me that you know you kept this one really unimportant secret from me. Like while they're in the hospital, that's not, they're, like, they're it's an unimportant lying. secret. Okay. But but yes, what, what I, your point's like, well taken. Oh, you didn't tell me that you were planning a surprise "I love you" party for me, and, and then like they're on the bed. Like, why is that explain. the equivalent? Okay, I don't it's know. More like no you real... didn't tell me. It's more like you, you didn't want to tell me you were gonna propose or something. Okay, like, but anyway, the sure. But that's, <laughs> that's like leaving party? someone on the hospital bed. It's like, yeah, you know they're gonna be fine, but they still almost died and are in horrible, horrible shape. Yeah. And they could really like you're leaving someone who's like strapped up to all the machines, like that's going beep, beep. And he's like, No, I love you, please don't go. <laughs> it's like, why would you do yeah. that to them? You know, it's it's okay. wild. Wild. And I know she's always been impulsive, and that's kind of something I've liked about her. It's like you would like, how could a character do that? But she has always run into situations and events impulsively and and she's made those mistakes and i always find it interesting when characters make mistakes and that's something we praised in the first book but in this one scene it was so out of context it's like no reasonable person would do this it's like who cares your partner almost died like don't you want to talk it out no of course not we have to go run off somewhere and paint in a shed and you know i i don't know and then be like oh you know what he was right, and we do love each other, so I'm going to go back. You know, this is what is the point of all of this? I don't understand it at all. It is super bizarre. Just so someone else could talk about how Rasand is really just such a great guy, and you should really like him, you know? And he didn't do anything that bad. Crazy. Yeah. Don't I mean, shit. What's all the hubbub about this I love you party? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Charles, right? Charles, have it, you interacted it, with any other humans besides me over Zoom over the last like ten years? Like, people are still each other question. these "I love you" parties. Um, so, as humans do, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like a, yeah, it's like a Martian trying to figure. I gotta like, explain your point. Uh, no, a so, better analogy: fiery car crash on the hospital bed. 
you didn't tell me you were going to, you wanted to get married, you know? Yeah. How could you? I'm leaving. And they're like, um, like all my bones are broken. (laughs) Right. Right after the doctor says, well, they're going to live. They'll pull through. Right. Yeah. Okay. But they're going to be, the other thing is, Charles, (laughs) (laughs) the other thing is that, Let's let's give Sarah J. Mass credit here because we in the first book criticized her for like oh Tamlin like uh, he's treated like he never does anything wrong he's so noble blah 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 and then she is willing to flip that on its head in the second book and kind of show you some things that you could look in retrospect and say oh actually like I see the the warning signs of some of Tamlin's issues and his inability to handle like not being in control of the situation his need to protect everything. And it's like, you can see those things like when you look back on the first book, right. but we're critical, like, Oh, he doesn't do anything wrong. So it's possible that in future books, Sarah J. Mass will be like, actually Farah like, think thought on some of this and like uh, the relationship continued to develop with Reese and she saw like the bad things that he did for what they are and all these people like I don't want to say the word gaslighting because I feel just like this super overused buzzword right but all the people who like were coming to her and being like oh yeah like you should love Reese Reese is a great guy it's like maybe she does see like I kind of feel like I was uh, like persuaded of some of these things and overlooked these other things so it's possible that this is all intentional from Sarah J Mass in the same way that she oh sure uh, I mean dude, she's has got done like this previously three or four other books how could this end yeah. with this is her soulmate and she doesn't have sex with anyone else the whole <laughs> four more books it's just it's just her and her sand over and over and over it's like no it's not what the story we're reading and i mean they actually did get into other povs at the end of this like we got recent pov for a moment yeah so i think there's opportunity there i mean it's certainly possible that she pairs up with recent and that's the end and we move on to other characters which is kind of an interesting thought because i did really enjoy the pov change um but yeah exactly like there's still a whole lot of story to go you could tell a lot of this book was dedicated to building up a lot of more epic fantasy kind of scenarios and that's kind of an interesting mashup and she's always been able to write like this very readable followable entertaining you know plot structure so i'm sure as she delves more into the epic fantasy she's going to keep us along for the ride i have no concerns about that so the fact that she's i'm sure there's other things that she's weaving that are going to pay off in another book or two that were you know started in these moments that we're criticizing now, it's a very good point, but that doesn't take away from the fact that I'm not feeling it today. And like yeah. anything that I thought was interesting about Resan was stripped away. And he's just like, I did it all. Cause I loved you. And I was so good. And that makes me kind of roll my eyes a little bit. Um, but it did get us to a very steamy ending. And I, and I think the last thing we need to kind of make sure we cover in detail is the end, because I have a feeling that, a lot of the reasons people walk away saying this is the best book in this series is those last, what could have been 50, 100 pages where like they get together, 
and then all everything goes down they 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 run into all the queens and then they run into you know all the baddies and it's a it's a it's betrayal from tamlin like there's a lot of really we get a resend pov and then the huge reveal at the end that pharaoh's made lady of the night court like whoa like all that happened and it was like man when sergey moss has something exciting to say her writing takes off and it's really oh, very yeah. good it's like where was this for the past 400 pages like why weren't we getting this so much earlier <laughs> like this is actually entertaining and good and yeah we had to deal with a lot of stuff where there wasn't a lot of interesting things going on and we just had to kind of sit through it so what what were your takes on the ending let's talk about the end well yeah there's this moment where it's like she basically finds out she got sold out by tamlin and then like mm-hmm. tamlin and lucian are right there and I'm like, that's a moment where I was like, oh, yeah, like, here we go. Because it's like, <laughs> yes, all you got to respect Sarah J. Mass's restraint of like, once she leaves the, uh, you know, once she leaves the spring court, uh, Tamlin's just a non, like he's off screen the entire yep. book until the end. And we see Lucian and whatever, but it's like mm-hmm. once Tamlin's there and he has to see her in all that leather and now <laughs> all she's that leather dude that, that's the right. biggest like blow to the ego slap in the face yeah exactly <laughs> it's like the leather pants <laughs> really <laughs> and it's like oh tamlin's there and i feel like sarah j mass did a great job of building toward that without punching you in the face like beating you over the head with the like and d- like tamlin i haven't seen tamlin in forever like yeah, uh, don't forget it's like about tamlin. more in the back right it's <laughs> like and then tamlin shows up and you're like oh crap like she has not interacted with tamlin once since all that and all this stuff that's happened tamlin has no idea what's been going on and he's just seeing her for the first time and she's completely changed and she's in love with another guy and not just another random guy like his mortal enemy and i think that moment's really cool and then like her sisters are there and uh, they're being I have some opinions on the whole, like, what happened to her sisters. I won't get into, but uh, oh no, it's like, they're immortal now. Boo! I know <laughs> that's my thing. Like, it's like it's treated like, like it's this like horrible thing happening to them. It's like oh no, they're made like super beautiful and immortal. Like <laughs> and they're going to be like, super strong, probably. Yeah. yeah. Who knows what powers they may have? Some hidden abilities that they'll unlock later. You know, like. What a tragedy. I'd have been like yeah, and now been diving headfirst into that cauldron, man. Like right. <laughs> me too. It's like they're dragging them and they're like fighting back and they're like holding their head under the water. I'm like, you will be an immortal fairy god. You know, it's like, <laughs> what, is, like, what what is right. this scene? And it's now bizarre. Elaine has to be mates with a handsome guy. She was gonna like, marry someone that hated fairies. Right. Like, who cares, dude? <laughs> like, who cares? So, I mean, I get the idea that they have these prejudices against Faye, yeah. and that's why they would resist. Like, I understand the in-world explanation, but I guess from an outside observer who's reading its perspective, it's, for me, it was hard not to dive right into this, like... That, uh, and, like, what is the like no consequence? I was hoping that, yeah, like, I was hoping, not 
I don't have anything against Delane, all right? But mm-hmm. I, I was kind of hoping just from a, like, don't pull punches perspective of Sarah J. Mm-hmm. Mastis writing, I was like, they were kind of like, oh, we don't know for sure if they'll survive the transformation. I was like, what if, like, Elaine dies and it's like, then we're like, oh, crap. Like, now mm-hmm. Tamlin's actions resulted in the death of uh, Feyre's sister and like the innocent one too you know like that's the one that usually you gotta kill just for the um, you know for the perspective of like no not to Lane she never did anything (laughs) wrong to anyone ever and now she's dead and it's your fault the one thing was she was gonna marry a guy with an that gave her an iron ring that was like the one thing and that's okay though because she's so sweet (laughs) yeah the amount of times I get reminded of that stupid iron ring, it's like like that matters to anybody. Like, okay, we don't know who this guy is. Like, he seems like a nobody. Like, who cares? God. No, but isn't he like a lord's son or something? Either. Uh, something like that. But still, it's like there's no, like, if even if maybe Feyre had faced some real prejudice going back to her family, like, then maybe the thought of getting them turned would have been a bit more horrifying or complicated but i was like good for you guys man you just unlocked eternal youth like that is something that you know people would murder their loved ones for you know like come on let's be real here this is and you're probably going to be super strong and oh here's your true love like dude you came out of that cauldron like you got your (laughs) true love immortal life like probably super strength and we're like crying and then they're dragging the next person and they're punching and clawing and fighting to try and not go in and it's like what why would one of those queens just dive right in i don't understand so that was a bit odd and you mentioned prejudice and yeah it's there but we like all the fairies we know are just so beautiful and godlike and can do no wrong that it's hard to feel like there is any real prejudice. Like, come on. I think, well, it's not that I don't believe that there's prejudice. It's that as a reader who doesn't hold prejudice against Faye, it's just hard to, like, it's hard to feel like such horrible things are happening to these people because, sure, they're going to have to confront, like, these identity issues or whatever, but... I, I feel pretty strongly that in the end, they have, you know, their whole immortal lives to look back on this and say, like, you know what? I'm kind of glad how all that panned <laughs> you out. You think? You think? <laughs> so 200 years from where... now when they're still young and beautiful, they'll probably be like, yeah, that kind of worked out, actually. Strange. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I kind of think so that's... The only stakes for me at first were like, will Sarah J. Mass kill... Elaine yeah. and like no like and the scene I think itself there's a was couple pretty missed... intense like the yeah. imagery of it you know dragging them well into a cauldron and shoving them in yeah like right. it was definitely impactful yeah no it was like, well written oh no they're fae oh no they're immortal now their lives are going to be so much better now oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah ridiculous it's yeah it's interesting I think that the like the actual worst, well, maybe not the worst, but one of the worst things and like the most hypocritical things that we see from Tamlin at the end is that he is basically allowing, um, uh, he's allowing the 
was it the king of Highburn? Is that Jurian? The... I don't think Jurian's like the the king remake. Like Jurian yeah. was a guy who was in the ring. Yes, uh, in the last yeah, the eyeball. But I think the it's ring, the yeah. king of Highburn, if I'm correct. Okay. Um, who is like the main baddie of like the big bad of this whole thing so mm. far, and he wants to attack the mortal realms and Mm -hmm. to do so he kind of needs to be able to access it through tamlin's lands and tamlin has pretty much like in exchange for all of this to be able to get favor back he was like oh yeah you can use my my lands to attack the humans like or to like work toward attacking the humans Mm -hmm. and i think that's like the that was like the worst, oh, yeah. <laughs> one of the That's worst cool. things and the most hypocritical things that he did. And mm-hmm. I'm interested to see where all that goes. But it's like, that's terrible. <laughs> like That's just right. awful. And he I know. acts it, like he wants to protect everyone. It's juicy, you know, like I, I do like that aspect of it because, you know, of course, Tamlin's been trying to get Feyre back this whole time, right? In his mind, that's his betrothed. They were super in love. They were about to get married and Rasen stole her away. So, and who knows through what kind of Stockholm Syndrome magic stuff that he used to warp her mind, you know? So he's trying to save his innocent bride. That's kind of his gallant excuse for doing all of these things, right? And that makes him interesting. And he was willing to make deals with less, you know, you know, pretty unscrupulous people to do that because he loved her so much, but he loved this version of her that no longer exists, you know? And, yeah. and so it, it was kind of a really interesting layer there that I really like kind of saved the book for me from being a total loss. <laughs> it, it's like, I, I like this ending. And then of course the reveal that Feyre, um, goes to the spring court with Tamlin, right? She makes that yeah. sacrifice again, which I thought pretending time, that her like memory has been wiped, basically, right? And that Rasan tortured her and like wiped yeah. her mind, and that she was able to break free, and so basically publicly denouncing her soulmate, you know. So she does that, and then what is revealed to us at the very end was that only the night before she was made into the lady of the night court. So now you have the lady oh, of the night court. Oh, not just any lady, Charles. The high lady, excuse me, of course. And all her sisters, by the way, were turned into high fairies too. So like not any other fairy, <laughs> the highest one. So like you do the math there. But anyway, <laughs> the, math. the squeaker toy. <laughs> Very excited. <laughs> Go get it. So, um, yeah, uh, as I was saying, the whole idea of being the high lady of the night court, which again, Tamlin said was not possible, right? Can't be done. It breaks too many no- traditions and norms. You don't understand. You're just a girl. Go back and paint, right? Here, she actually mm-hmm. achieved it, but on the enemy side. And now she's supposed to be in a relationship, a loving relationship with Tamlin, while also being this kind of enemy. And to me, all of that came together really strong and really well. And I was like, this is actually really good i just wish we got here faster like i would have dnf this book if it wasn't for the show way way before and or dn d 
DNF. Yeah, DNF. Uh, way, way before. <laughs> the one where I don't finish, where I give up on it. Um, because yes, do not bored. finish. Yeah, and I was not interested. <laughs> Uh, that would have been what would have happened. But at the end, I became very interested. And I was like, okay, very, very strong ending. I don't know if it's, if the payoff was worth reading the whole freaking book, but it was very strong. And I can see why it's commanded such a strong audience. Like somehow Sarah J. Mas, Mas, she created a whole genre of this like mature young adult thing. And she targeted this audience so, so well. Like the way these... like what makes these relationships kind of romantic and and steamy she just is so dialed in and her style is is so dialed in and has this mass appeal and it really really shines at the end of this book so i, I was i was very impressed by the ending to as much as i've been ragging on all the characters today i, I just want to make sure i go out by saying hey you know very strong ending there's a i i get it you know i know why she's got a million five star reviews for this book they're earned yeah, it's juicy. The idea that juicy. she's now the high lady of the night court and she's in enemy territory and Reese is going to prepare for war to get her back and he's going to be the, you know, fighting against Tamlin but also fighting against the uh, King of Hybern. And it's like we're all gearing up for some serious action, which is something that mm -hmm. I think was kind of missing from this book in comparison mm -hmm. to uh, like the first book. It's. I think we're gonna get some. We got like a taste of it. I think in this book of like Faye actually fighting and uh, like Feyre actually fights and there's a whole part where they're attacking Reese's homeland and all that kind of stuff. Like I think we're gonna get more of that moving forward. I'm interested in that and mm -hmm. I think that. Yeah, it's it's got a strong ending. The only thing for me is, yeah, there's a couple moments where it's, yes, yeah, RJ Mass could go a little extra, like a little harder on something, and she pulls a punch where she wouldn't have in the first book. And I think that is the case with, like, there's a part where the king is like, I'm going to destroy your mating bond and i was like oh like this is interesting like yeah if totally. so what if she still like loves this guy like that won't destroy the idea that she still loves him but whatever the like you know it's hard to uh the you know you can't really describe whatever this it's ineffable the ineffable nature of the mating bond when, when that's gone but she still has these feelings for this guy like what changes and are they still gonna end up together or blah 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 i was like oh what happens if he snaps that mating bond and then yeah. it's like oh i did it I, i'm the first person to ever do it but i'm the king so that's why that's why i could do it and Tamlin's like, ah, nice job, man. Like, respect. And then it's like, then it turns out she's like, oh, like he thought he did that. But actually all he did was like snap the bargain that I have to visit him once a month, which yeah. obviously I'm going to be doing. Like, obviously I would be visiting him much more often than once a month if, you know, once I get out of this whole spring court situation. So it's kind of like it ends up kind of toothless in the end where it's like, okay, like he snapped something that doesn't matter, but everyone acted like it was a really big deal and it doesn't really create any ramifications that are 
worth diving into. Where at the end of the previous book, it's like, oh, she could have phoned it in and been like, oh, actually, she didn't have to kill those Fae or they got resurrected or whatever. It's like, but Sarah J. Mass doesn't pull punches there. And she's like, no, actually, Feyre's traumatized from killing those Fae and that actually happened. And I'm like, oh, nice. Good for you, Sarah J. Mass. So we got some of these moments where I'm like, oh, like, you can do it, Sarah J. Mass. Like, you've done it before. Yeah. I know you can. <laughs> Agreed. And Agreed. you can make things more interesting if you do. But it just isn't the story that she's interested in telling, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, look, at the end of the day, this is a romance fantasy and the priority will always be on the romance. So there's just going to be certain things that just we have to stew in their relationship to get that big payoff at the end. We've got to have some conflict over true love. We have to be like, oh, I've always loved you. You know, that's all part of this romance kind of vibes. And like I, I think we're just trying to turn this into a grim dark novel. Like we're just trying to. <laughs> if take Joe Abercrombie wrote this, <laughs> exactly. I think we're just trying to take it and make it like a modern fantasy. You know, the the ala. You know, these epic fantasies or these grim dark fantasies or something like that. And that's not what it is. It's a romance fantasy. So all the things we're changing are kind of things that make it like a really popular romance fantasy. And I think Sarah right. J. Moss. The fact that she's taking that romance genre seriously and putting in some really serious elements that are enough to get us intrigued is how you pull in like a super massive national audience base, you know, and and I think, you know, she's international for sure, for sure. Like the way she's got it dialed in of like a little bit of this edgy grimdark, a little bit of this romance, a little bit of this young adult, a little bit of this, you know, she's like dialed it in this like perfect it's like the coca-cola formula it's like yeah we can all make coke but somehow coke just makes it better and that's what she's kind of doing she's got her secret formula in the vault on how to just kind of make this super popular romance fantasy adult fiction new adult sure do we sure do love Coca-Cola here on the Friends Talking <laughs> Fantasy Podcast. Mm-mm-mm-mm. You sure that delicious and refreshing Coca-Cola. And now right. Coke Zero has no sugar, but all that same great Coca-Cola taste. <laughs> Ain't that right, Charles? There's and nothing sure I like more right. than kicking back with a Coke Zero and reading my favorite <laughs> fantasy novels. That's my favorite drink too, Dylan. And I know at any occasion... I choose Coca-Cola. Yeah, and you can easily access the Coca-Cola creations page on the Coca-Cola website. And you can mm-hmm. learn all about the limited edition Coca-Cola Ultimate. Uh, <laughs> where you can taste the Plus XP with their latest collab <laughs> with League of Legends. <laughs> <laughs> League of Legends. Wow, that's a fantastic collab. You know, just thinking of it makes me thirsty. <laughs> oh yeah, and there's nothing that'll quench that thirst better than any of the numerous drinks available from the Coca-Cola brand. It just goes to show you with a brand as trusted and loved and timeless as Coca-Cola, there really is a drink for everyone. I feel like uh, you say it so well, Charles. I feel we like are I have not to say something you, bad about Coca-Cola to prove that we're not. <laughs> we're just. Although I don't think we need to prove episode. that we're not sponsored by Coca-Cola. <laughs> I think people can tell that we're not. But uh, I still feel obliged. You know, it's basically poison. Don't drink it. Is what I would say. Um, 
leading cause of obesity in children you know it's sugary drinks like coca-cola so just don't drink it man i mean i do enjoy a coke zero though i can't lie um, <laughs> bring but, it back uh, Charles. but uh regular coke is practically poison in my opinion i will i won't drink it but unless it's a very special occasion but coke zero oh yeah anytime am i out of control that i actually like dr pepper more than coca-cola um I wouldn't say out of control. Um, Dr. Pepper's good. I get it. I like it. Again, it's, it's kind of like this book. I get it. You know, you can like Dr. Pepper. It's got the 27 flavors or whatever. Um, but uh, you can't beat the OG Coca-Cola. You just cannot do it. Um, but I, I respect As long it. as you, you're not a Pepsi person, we can all. Because oh, the thing no, about Pepsi is me? it just tastes like worse Coke, while Dr. Pepper well, they front loaded with unique... the sweetness. That's the issue, right? They're like, mm. you taste sweet, but the aftertaste is not as good. It's trash. Mm. We would never truth. drink that drink on the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast. This is a Coca Cola house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. <I> <laughs> Wouldn't it be awesome if we were sponsored by Coca-Cola? We'd make that would be insane. Would be, I mean, uh, we could totally shill Coca-Cola. We're happy to shill. Oh, yeah, I know. I called it sort poison of water, but yeah. I would sell it no problem for the right <laughs> for the right amount of cash. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Coke sugar's not. If bad. you think Charles's principles, about? yeah, we'll stop. It's like two hundred grams of sugar in one Coca-Cola. can, dude. That's fine. It's an energy booster, bro. Like, but you on. know. <laughs> You know what has 200 grams of sugar? Uh, I don't know this book. I, I'm just trying to bring it back. So This um, book has okay. a bit more substance I, to it, you know? It's, than Coca-Cola? Yeah, it's yeah, it's more like a Coke Zero. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like, like a rave review. Of no, it doesn't, like does it doesn't. Coke Zero. What about one of those like bubbly waters that have the juice in them? You know, um, where they like have a little bit of juice, but they're mostly sparkling water and they're sugar free. Well, like That's kind of what this is. Like. Lacroix doesn't have juice in it, though. There's some like, I think it's is it Spindrift that has like fruit juice in it as well as sparkling being ice. Maybe I don't know that brand. I'm not familiar, but yeah. we we have gone off. Well, the we're rails, happy dude. to. Yeah. Well, okay. Can I say a thing? Say a thing. It, only if it's about uh, the book. <laughs> it's, it is I don't about remember the, the name. I didn't Can get I to say, say I've it never cause... once known the name of this book. I've had to look at my notes every single time. Even when I was reading it, I was like, I have no idea what this book is called. A something of something and something. I get confused. A Court of Mist and Fury. If it's about a Court of Mist and Fury, then I would love to hear. Okay. Another thing that Sarah J. Moss does all the time is have characters purr. There's 23 oh. instances of characters purring. Of you some know, sort. now that you mention it, you're right. I, I hadn't, that wasn't a conscious thought that I had, but you're you're right. Purring oh, is, it is sexy. so much. <laughs> yeah, that's very like purring. It's more than the vulgar gestures. gestures. The vulgar gestures. Vulgar yeah. gesture. But it's just a very. I don't know why she doesn't write. So that appears. In, I think nine times when I searched it, which isn't as many as I thought. But it's still a lot of times yeah. to say vulgar gesture. Yeah, like it's a, a lot of. It's more than your average book would say. Oh, vulgar gesture. Probably most books, like most fantasy yeah. books we read, even like 
800 plus page books probably don't say vulgar gesture at all. Yeah. Like you're right. In, Let alone so, nine times. Yeah. Mm. So, all right. I mean, it's a lot and it's just a weird thing to not say what is actually being done. So I just want to drill that as if I didn't establish the vulgar gesture issue <laughs> earlier. <laughs> I just want mm-hmm. to drill that point home. <laughs> that that was confusing for me. But I'm with you, Charles, on the ending of this book being this probably the strongest part. I see why this has people coming back. Like I think it's a good job of I wouldn't call it a cliffhanger, because I think cliffhangers are basically like you didn't tell a complete story to try to force someone to come back to the next book. I don't, Mm -hmm. and I I consider cliffhangers like kind of a cheap ploy. I don't consider this a cliffhanger. I just consider this Mm -hmm. like a juicy ending to a second book in a series that has more than two books. So I, yeah, I respect that. I think she built well toward the end. I think that things are going to probably pick up in the, in the next book and yeah was the emphasis on this relationship like did it not sit as well for us as it probably does with most of the fan base does it leave most of the fan base purring probably (laughs) does it (laughs) leave us purring maybe not to the same extent Uh, but respect to sarah j mass she knows what she's doing she's you know, no pun intended, mastered the art of creating these sort of new adult feeling books. She's Mm -hmm. hugely successful because she does a lot right. And I think your discussion of her kind of like, oh, let me give a pinch of grimdark and a a hint of epic fantasy and, you know, quite a hefty dose of fantasy romance. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think she... It's hard. To, I keep wanting to say master or like massive, and it's like I don't want mm. people to think I'm all these mass puns yeah. off of her making name. a joke out of but, it. Yeah, right. But I'm she is a master of her craft. And oh yeah, I think it's on full display with this book, even if some of the elements like demonstrated why we're not exactly yeah. the target. I, I feel like she like discovered like a new whole market for like books you know like i feel like there's always romance books right and there's always like young adult fantasy and we had twilight but i feel like she's gone a step further and it's it's really interesting to see and this is the first you know i didn't read twilight but i read this and i always kind of compared the two in my head but it's kind of interesting to read this and see just like how like where the appeal is and and it's 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 well crafted i gotta say and she had moments where she wrote me in and i'm not even anywhere near the the target audience for this book and i was still you know thoroughly entertained and i would readily recommend it to a lot of people for sure would i read the next book not on my own uh, volition (laughs) here we go again but if the downloads are good man like that's the reason you know and if Coca-Cola yeah. pays for me to read the third one, I'd read it in a second without hesitation. So um, lots of reasons I would read it. But on, on my own, just for entertainment, nah, I don't have got time for that. But um, who knows? Maybe the audience is here and they've suffered through uh, our dialogue about the book. And uh, well, there's justification to crack open the third book, which I have no idea what the name of it is. I'll pull it up. 
uh, Court of Wings and Ruin is book three. It's even longer. It, it, book two is 640 pages. This one is 720. So we're we're blowing up here. We're getting a little bigger. And that makes me a little nervous seeing that because of, you know, our criticism of the length of the pace of this book. But who knows? Like she set a lot of stuff up. She's got to kind of talk through now. So who knows? What was it that in one of Robin's Ho- Robin Hobbs books, there mm-hmm. was some review written of like book two, which got ma- like much bigger than uh, book one uh whereas like there's some concern like this book is good but there's some oh, concern yeah. that robin hop has lost control of the narrative or oh something yeah like that. that was on the i think that was on the wikipedia page um or something let's see reception spellbinding installment built on patient detail believable characters and mature plotting though at an unwarranted 608 pages keep in mind the book we just read was 620 there are (laughs) ominous signs that Hobbes beginning to lose control of her narrative (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's some feelings i have like heading into book three with 700 plus pages that perhaps sarah j mass is losing control of her narrative but uh, there are ominous signs, as they say. There are the ominous signs. That's a. Sure. That's a, like, that's a well-written. Yeah, that's just a great, it's... eloquent way of describing what they're trying to say. But very fair. I very feel. Fair. I feel some of that with book three. I will be reading book three. Um, I I hope the downloads are high enough on this episode, where you end up reading book three with me, Charles. And yes, but if you we'll go see. off and read them on your own, it would be funny to still have a spoiler discussion and you can tell me what happens because uh, <laughs> I'll be like, oh, interesting. <laughs> but because it's not like you're going to read it and we're not going to talk about it on the show. Like, come on. So you're, you're going to talk. We'll about figure it. it out. We'll figure yeah, it out. We'll figure but it out. I think that. We'll see. Yeah. Also, uh, <laughs> my girlfriend is saying I have to watch Twilight with her. Uh, oh, so. Twilight Watch Party. Either, yeah, either you should also watch Twilight, <laughs> since you, you're very... I'll like, watch the movies, that's fine. Yeah, okay. Because that's a lot less commitment than, like, reading a book. All yeah, right, well, and I like movies, watch, you know, and that was a... a do you not like books? <laughs> I mean, I like books, too. I just am like, you know, with movies, it's 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 different. It's two hours max, and I'm like, I'm Well, done. that's what I'm saying. Versus a like a 30-hour audiobook or whatever, 20 hours, whatever it's going to be. Yeah. So, yeah, well, you should watch two then, and we can yeah, come well, back we'll and we'll finally have that discussion. <laughs> like, how many years yes, too late? Yes, it's tw- the year is 2023. French <laughs> Fantasy Podcast releases their Twilight Movie 1 review <laughs> discussion. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, this is what fans have been waiting for for forever yeah well we'll see i'm open to it i think that it could be it could be fun to to watch it um and talk about it but i'm that's not me saying yes it's gonna happen that's me saying it's interesting and we'll mm-hmm. see <laughs> but i think yes. for now what is definitely gonna happen is that we wrap this thing up and, and play that outro music what do you say I think it's time for that sweet, sweet outro music that's as sweet as a delicious Coca-Cola mm-hmm. uh, beverage. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. 
at any of your local <laughs> wherever stores. beverages are sold. <laughs> yeah, check it out. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Thank you, everyone, one and all, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today, if you want to reach out, support us over on the socials, best place to do that is over on Instagram at the FDF Podcast and Twitter, uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, at the FDF Podcast with a number one at the end. Now, Dylan, if they like what they heard today and they want to support the show even further than following us over on social media, what can they do? Toss five stars to our podcast, which you can do over on Spotify. It's just two clicks over at the top of the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast feed. And it's so helpful when you do that. You can also rate and or write a review on Apple Podcasts. And you know I always say rate and or write a review? I think it's you don't really have the option to write a review without reading. I think I need to... Mm. You ever think about that? Yeah, I, I need I to mean, kind of revise that. But you can rate without... Just, you can rate without reviewing, but you can't review without reading. Just say to so, do both, and then hope, you know, just rate and review. Yeah, but I want to let them know they can also just rate. We'll get there. We'll yeah, get there. yeah, yeah. I we'll, think we'll, we'll workshop be, it. Yeah, hopefully... If you Sergey mass heads, not mass holes. <laughs> no, definitely not those. <laughs> if you, yeah, be, you know, uh, hopefully, even if we're a little bit critical, it'd be, you know, nice to still throw us five stars. Don't be mean to us. For sure, for sure, <laughs> yeah. If you're going to go as far as to rate us anything, you may as well just rate five. Like, anything less yeah. is kind of mean, if you it's think about mean. it. Is a little We're not actually brought to by like, Coke. What? Like, who rates four I don't know. stars? They can it's fair. Stars. I mean, hey, you have the choice, but I'm just saying, like, if you're there, why not leave five? You know, it helps, and it makes a difference, and it makes us happy. Makes I guess they're just trying to let people know that they don't think we're worthy of five. I don't know. They just want people to know, like, okay, well, like, this is good, but all these other five-star people, like, they're over-exaggerating. They're not that great. But please be a five-star person if you can. Uh, But just listening is more than enough. That's what I always say. Just listening, especially on this one, making it to the end, was not an easy task. And we love you for that. So thank you so much for making it all the way to the end. We greatly appreciate you. And as always, guys, go forth and conquer, friends.